Everybody ready for some word today? Okay, well, let's go over to the book of Acts. The book of Acts. You might think of action, not the book of idle. <laughs> not the book of do nothing and nothing happen. The book of Acts. Uh, and verse, or ver- chapter 20, Acts, the 20th chapter, and the 35th verse, Acts chapter 20, verse 35, reads this way, I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Say that last part with me. It is more blessed to give than to receive. That's the subject of today's message. I want to continue this series um, entitled, More Blessed. It's good to be blessed. It's better to be more blessed. And the the scripture tells us exactly how, how we can arrive at a more blessed life. And that is to enter into the realm of giving. The heart, the character, the nature of God of giving. See, there is a better way to live than most people do. And it's called trusting God and not yourself. So you can arrive at a certain level of, of, of living simply because you have gifts, you have inherent abilities that come from God, every one of His, His all of His creation does. And, and, and because you live in a land that, that has been blessed by God due to, I believe, the many believers, the many people that are here that have put their faith and trust in God, things have worked well for the most part uh, in comparison to the world in our land. And so many people are, are kind of riding off that blessing. But wherever you're at today, there is the potential to go higher. And it's called trusting God, not trusting in yourself, not putting your confidence just in your own ability and, you know, self-confidence, but rather confidence in Him, that He loves you, that He cares for you, that He wants to bring good things into your life. The blessing of God is available to every single one of us, and we can, we can walk in it. Thank God we can. And, and so that's what we're talking about here in this series. And how many understand that there is a surplus in heaven? The books were just closed for last year, and uh, good news, there isn't a deficit there. there. There's no debt. There's major, major surplus in, in heaven, and, uh, and I say that kind of, you know, we, we joke about that, say, well, of course, you know, of course that's the case. I can remember just recently, though, being, being in prayer, and the Lord impressed upon me how He wanted us, He wanted you to know, to be very certain and sure of the fact that there is an ample, plentiful supply for your life. I mean, there is way too much resources in God's hands. Uh, there, there is so much more than you need available to you. He wants you to know this. He, he wants you to know that, that, that what the things that you need and want in life, there is no shortage. 
There is no insufficiency and there is no lack of willingness on God's part in His heart to bless His people and to provide and sustain and even to help us recover from things that we've done wrong or things that have happened to us and we find ourselves in, in financial predicaments. The Lord has a plentiful, abundant supply. You remember what Paul said, a commonly quoted verse in Philippians 4. He said, and my God shall supply all your need according to, what? His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. According to what? His riches in glory. If you've ever heard of a rich person on the earth, maybe you've been impressed with some well-known names around our country, around our world. People who are very rich. I'm telling you, be far more impressed with His riches in glory. Because there's nothing on this world that even touches God's resources. There is no shortage for your life. He wants you to know. He wants you to be aware that there is a plentiful, abundant supply awaiting you. And if we will tap into this by following God's principles and His plan, I mean, He'll be happy about it. We'll be blessed for it. And you know, how many know what happens when, when good people, when godly people full of the love of God are blessed? They do a lot of good things. I mean, the gospel gets spread all around the world much quicker. I mean, those who are in, in trouble, those who are hurting, those who are without, they get blessed. They don't, not only get help with resources, but they get a Jesus loves you right with it, don't they? Because <laughs> we want them to know, this is where your help comes from. It's not because I'm so smart or I'm so talented or I, you know, I, I just know everything. No, no, no. It's because of the love of God. Jesus loves you so much. And that really is the truth, isn't it? It's the reason we're here. It's the reason we have life today. And so last week we were talking to you about right and wrong attitudes toward money and toward things. Uh, how many remember that both poverty and prosperity begin in the soul and then they manifest in our actions and in our possessions? Okay, poverty and prosperity are not just conditions of your wallet or your bank account. They begin on the inside and we've got to make sure we think like God and then we act like God and then we'll reap the benefits of that heart, that, that, that heart condition, the faith that resides there. Uh, understand this, that if God is not first in your money, He is not first in your life. I'm pausing for effect and response. Uh, I mean, that response might be groan. It might be, yes, hallelujah. Uh, nevertheless, necessary. <laughs> uh, I know it's a strong statement. But it's true, as if, if you've been here, you know that's scriptural. If God is not first in your money, He is not first in your life. I just love the Lord. I just love... No, you don't. Not unless it shows up in, other, in these primary areas of our life. And, and how many understand that giving to God is not about giving what is left. It is about getting, giving what is first. My love and my trust in Him is not about seeing if. It is about a commitment to. It is about honoring God first. And not if there's anything else. Not taking care of all my stuff. All, the, all my things that I need. All the things that I want. If there's anything left, I'm going to be really generous. That is not, that is not God honoring. Say, so why do I tell you? Pastor, why are you saying this? This is kind of hard. You're going to scare our visitors away. Because I... I love you enough to, t- to shoot, it, shoot, shoot you straight, 
tell you the truth, honestly, the, the, the thing that's going on here is I really want to help people rise up and live in the blessing of God. And there must be some direct confrontational statements that hit our heart that uh, enable us to, to identify where we're at, who we're putting our trust in. Okay? And because if there needs to be adjustments, man, let's make them and let's go higher from here. Let's move forward in this and not just stay in the same place we've always been. I, I, I like my faith to be challenged. I like, I like my heart to be stretched. Let's go further. Let's go more. Let's see God move. I'm not convinced that I, I know hardly anything in comparison to what can be known. That I've experienced even just a touch, a, just a small amount of, of, of the amount of God and His love and His presence and His power and provision. But I'm going that way. You know, you know like some people say, I haven't arrived, but I know I've left. <laughs> as long as you're not you're not where you were <laughs> as long as we're going in the right direction we're making progress we're improving we're seeing uh, the, the the plan of God unfold in our lives and through our lives very important you know one person said to me recently and I thought uh, that's a good statement uh, they, they, they said uh, isn't there somewhat of a conflict of interest whenever a pastor uh, speaks about tithes and offerings and I thought, yeah, I can see that in this regard, not because of a personal benefit or a personal gain, but obviously if a church, any, any good church, if the people in that church have a good understanding and likely they won't come there and let, they won't get to that place of understanding unless it's taught, if they come to a place of that understanding, well, the church, the ministries and everything is going to, they're going to do better. Because there'll be more resources to do the work of God. And so you can see how there could be uh, potentially ulterior motive in, in, in teaching a subject uh, like this. And because, uh, you know, again, if people get it, it helps ministries. And I think this is probably one of the reasons why many people back off from this subject. Why many pastors won't talk about it. Because of that inherent, inbuilt kind of conflict there that it looks like I'm teaching and I'm using certain scriptures to basically manipulate you into helping me. <laughs> Everybody understand where we're going here? And, and, it, and, it, and it's why... The reality is why I have already said in this series, I'll make statements like if, if there's a lack of, of, of trust in, first of all, that we're giving to God, but secondly, that we're giving to, to ministries and churches that are faithful in being good stewards of God's resources, I would say, you know, hold on to it then. I mean, you've got to operate in these principles, but you need to be somewhere. You've got to go somewhere where there is uh, confidence that it is a work of God, that God's hand is on it, that, that people are being honest and upright with the resources, okay? And so if any of this, while we're talking about this, you feel uh, uneasy, and I don't see uneasy. If, you, if you're just full of doubt and unbelief, you should really get rid of that, but... Uh, but uneasy from the standpoint of, man, I don't know about this. Well, go somewhere where you can. I mean, well, I'm not trying to talk anyone out of the church here. I mean, we love you. Stay. But, uh, but, but seriously, go somewhere. Support something that you can have confidence in, that, that you can get involved in God's kingdom principles and, and enter into a life of blessing for yourself. 
But as I was considering some some of these subjects, I was I began to think about how different individuals in the Bible dealt with the subject. And we've talked about Jesus already, and 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 we use some of his teaching in this series. But Jesus talked about money a whole lot. He talked about the giving side, the stewardship side, about the not worshiping it side. Remember uh, the mammon side? He, he dealt with a whole lot of areas concerning finances. And by the way, the same Jesus who said, give and it'll, it'll be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shake it together and running over. Shall men give into your bosom? That guy had people following him around. I say that guy. I say that respectfully, the Lord Jesus. Uh, he had people following around. He had this, these rich women following him around, giving money to him. They did. I mean, the Bible says they ministered to him of their substance, of their resources. And so he was, do, he was involved in this. Obviously, he knew that, well, yes, the ministry must be financed, but who's going to teach him? Are, is, are the heathen going to teach the church? Is the world going to teach the church to support the ministry? No, they're going to tell you you're dumb for doing it. Huh? They're going to put the numbers down and say, why would you give the first 10% to, to your church, to the kingdom of God? Why would you do that? That doesn't make sense. They would talk you out of it. So, I mean, so Jesus would teach. He would teach these principles. And actually, the ones he was teaching, they were responding and supporting his ministry. And then I was thinking about the, the Apostle Paul. He had a lot to say about this. I want to read a few verses. First uh, Corinthians chapter 9. First Corinthians, the ninth chapter. It is of necessity that those who are leaders in the body of Christ deal with all these subjects, that they give a biblical perspective. And it is not just to the end of, let me say it this way, it is, it is not at all for personal gain, but it is for the purpose of us understanding God's heart, understanding kingdom principles that work. So we can all enter into the life of blessing that God has for us. If you think it's anything else, that wouldn't be correct. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, the Apostle Paul uh, said some things over here. Let's begin in verse 8. He said, Do I say these things as a mere man, or does not the law say the same also? For it is written in the law of Moses... You shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. It is, is it oxen God is concerned about? Or does he say it all together for our sakes? For our sakes, no doubt, this is written, that he who plows should plow in hope, and he who threshes in hope should be partaker of his hope. If we have sown spiritual things for you, it is, is it a great thing if we reap your material things? Now think about what Paul's saying here. He's preaching or writing to church, the church at Corinth, the church he ministers in. And he's telling them, listen, we're, we're, we're giving you the spiritual goods here. And even in the law, you know, you're not supposed to muzzle the ox that treads out the corn. He said, God doesn't really care about the ox that much. That's not the focus, the ox here. He's given a principle that those who work in it ought to be supplied by it. And he's talking about himself. He's talking about his own ministry. Uh, He said, we've sown spiritual things. Shouldn't we reap your material things? How many know that's kind of a hard sermon to preach? (laughs) But there he did. 
And you'll find out he did it again and again. But verse 12, if others are partakers of this right over you, are we not even more? Nevertheless, we have not used this right, but endure all things, lest we hinder the gospel of Christ. So they had people in their day, just like we have people in our day, who were upset about their stuff, who were mad at the preacher, who were, who were kind of annoyed with these preachers taking up offerings. Didn't they? He, he, to the point where in their situation, he stopped doing it. He backed off. He said, we're just, we're just going to, he said, we're going to endure all things because the gospel of Christ is more important. So he didn't take up the right in their situation what they should do. But he was letting them know that the way they were doing it was not right. He was letting them know that their attitude about this was not correct. It was not godly. It was not biblical. It didn't agree. I mean, the ox was taken care of better than God's people than God's representatives in, in, in their time. Verse 13, do you not know that those who minister the holy things eat of the things of the temple? What's he talking about? Old Testament priesthood. They would minister and they would partake of some of the offerings or the sacrifices that people would bring. Uh, and those who serve at the altar partake of the offerings of the altar. Verse 14, even so, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should live from the gospel. And who's he talking about? Those who preach the gospel. He's talking about himself. He's talking about those, those like him who are in the ministry. He said it's, that we are supposed to live of the gospel as opposed to by some other means or some other method. Look at Romans chapter 15. Romans, the 15th chapter. In fact, that's a left turn from where you're at. I like to start left and go right if I can, but... Well, we'll do it opposite this time. Romans 15, notice verse 26, 15, 26. For it pleased those from Macedonia and Achaia to make certain contribution for the poor among the saints who are in Jerusalem. So what were they thinking? In Macedonia, they were saying, we want to help support poor Christians in, in uh, Jerusalem. It's like the church here, we support poor, the poor, and we, we help those in need. Uh, primary focus is usually Christian poor, right? Say, so, well, what about unbelieving poor? Well, you know, we do some stuff there as well, and, uh, and it, it'd be okay and right for you and I to do stuff like that, help those who are unbelievers. But there should be always a priority with those who are in the family first. You take care of your own. If you don't, you're worse than an infidel. Right, worse than a worse than a heathen. Everyone should be able to go to their own family first, as opposed to, uh, you know, something else. Say, so what about someone who doesn't who's in a who doesn't have a church? What about someone who does who's not in the family of God? They're not believers. Well, they should go to their own God for help when they're in need. If not, they should consider switching gods. From whatever they're worshiping in life, could be themselves, could be material things, it could be. Uh, you know, a little guy that sits in the Chinese restaurant or whatever. I'm just saying, whatever someone serves, whatever someone worships, they ought to consider serving a God who is a God of abundance, a God of plenty, and who supplies their needs. Anyway. And so they were, anyway, they were prompted for, uh, to give an offering for the poor among Jerusalem. Um, where'd, I, where'd I go? Verse, verse 27. It pleased them indeed... And they are their debtors. For if the Gentiles have been partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister to them in material things. 
And you see that again? So what they're seeing is they benefited from the gospel that came out of Jerusalem. And so they said, we want, you've helped us in spiritual things. And how many know spiritual things matter more than anything? More than, it, more than ever giving someone some money, give them the love of God. I'm not saying that it can't be combined and you do the same thing. But the most important thing is eternal. All right. And they benefited. They had eternal life because of Jerusalem, because of the believers there sending people out and them going into all the world and preaching the gospel. And they said, it is, it is minimum. We've reaped eternal life. I mean, we have benefited forever. It is our duty to help them out naturally and with material things when we have that, that opportunity and that situation arises. Okay. Go over to Galatians 6. Galatians 6. I wanted to show you these three uh, locations where Paul dealt with this very subject. Galatians, the sixth chapter. And notice with me in the sixth verse, 6 6, it reads, Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. What should the, the taught do? They should share with the teacher. Let me give you some other translations. The Phillips. Translation. J.B. Phillips says, The man under Christian instruction should be willing to contribute toward the livelihood of his teacher. Now, who's writing this? The teacher. <laughs> I mean, Paul, who was an apostle, he, and he was a teacher, and he's telling them, that, I mean, that's kind of a hard, maybe that's why you put it in a letter. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's why I speak in third person. I don't know. They, they, they amplified, the Bible says here, let him who receives instruction in the word of God share all good things with his teacher, contributing to his support. All right. So you can see this is a consistent theme throughout the new covenant that, uh, that, that, that giving is to be done to support the ministry. To support the gospel going forward. To enable it to, to, to be financed. This is part of God's plan in getting the gospel around the world. Not only that, it is a part of God's plan to let it kick back and be an overflowing blessing in other people's lives. And again, I ask, you know, who's supposed to talk about this? Who's supposed to tell us these things? Who's, who's supposed to deal with this subject? And so we will not, out of fear or, or, or fear of false accusation, avoid uh, Bible principles and truths that we should all operate in every single day. You know, when it comes to our giving, which again, let me go back and say this, our giving is a response or a reflection of our faith in God to provide our needs. Among other things, I'll, I'll give you a list in just a moment. Uh, but that's where this comes from. But among our, our lives concerning our giving, it ought to be principled and not sporadic. If you want to enter in and walk in a life of God's blessing, and, it, it, and like we told you before, it bleeds out far beyond uh, money. Far beyond material. But if you want to operate in the blessing of God continually, this needs to be a principled thing in your life. Not something that comes and goes. Not something that's up and down, in and out. It's always. You know, it's like some believers have, have said, uh, well, I tithe sometimes um, when I can. Now, I don't mean to sound hard or anything like that, but that's the same as saying I don't tithe at all. 
because it's a percentage-based giving, it's, you can't do it sometimes. It's either, it either is or it isn't. Not I do it sometimes. This, this approach to God concerning this subject or any other, where we are in some days and out some days, just doesn't work. And if anything, if anything, it leads us to be deceived. It's like the person who hasn't read, their, read the Bible for a long time. But before, a long time ago, they read it a lot. How many know they have now come to a place where they believe that they know more of it than they do? They do. I guarantee you, I, I've done that in my own life. I haven't read it for a little bit. I, I kept reading again. I thought, I thought I knew that better than I did. It, it, it becomes self-deception. I'm saying part-time Christianity doesn't work. Part-time worshiper. I worship the Lord, you know, now and then. Doesn't work. We have to be all in to experience all of Him. When I give all my heart and all my life once and for all, and I am settled inside that I belong to Him, I'm going to live for Him, and I'm going to serve Him. Whatever I know to do, I'm committed to do it. You know, if I blow it, I'm getting right back, getting right back up. If I fall down, you know what I'm talking about? But, but th- this is who I am now. This is my life. I, I know in some countries, I'm, I'm told it more often, third world nations, when, when someone becomes a believer, they rename their business. And it'll be like, uh, instead of, dry cleaners it'll be like jesus dry cleaners i mean things like that where all of a sudden as soon as someone gets saved they put christians is in their name and their business somehow i'm not telling you you should do that i don't know if it's a wise business move but uh i'm just saying i think it's real powerful how people identify immediately with the lord in every part of their life and i think we're missing some of that I'm a Christian. I accepted the Lord. What do you do now? Now I go to church once in a while. Well, that's not going to work. Jesus needs to be your Lord every day. You need to have conversation with Him daily and worship Him and serve Him. And, you know, when it comes to giving, it's not a part-time affair. I'm, that's who I am now. It's my character and my nature. Everybody with me now? I tell you, I don't know if you like this or not, but it wasn't my motive for putting it together. I want to help you. I want to help me. This, when we get this settled on the inside, our lives will go up to another level. And so, part-time worshipers, it just doesn't work out. Why do you give? What's your motivation? Is it guilt? Is it obligation? Some give, some give because of a fear of a curse? Um, some just give because they see a need and they, they see something and it's, it's, it's led by that. Some give because of promises of quick riches. And that's not what I'm talking about here. Uh, or, you know, maybe you were just hyped up during a powerful service and you gave that one time. And listen, that doesn't work. We need consistency. We need to be principled in our relationship with God, in how we govern ourselves morally, in how we raise our children, in how we treat one another, in what we do with our finances, it becomes a standard that we live by. Not a law that we're under, but a grace that we're empowered to live in. Okay? But it's not something that comes and goes. It's not God does it some days and He doesn't do it some days. It's kind of like when you talk about healing. How many know, and some of you might be there, but I'll just help you real quick. The Christian who believes sometimes God wants you healed and sometimes He wants you sick. That's just not going to work for you. I just go ahead and tell you right up front, don't pray. Because it will not work. God is not that flaky. 
He is not in and out and up and down. He is absolute. He backs his word. And until we agree with that, we'll not experience the, 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 the benefits of his promises. His promises are in him, yes and amen. Not maybe and it might be and I hope it's true. It's in him, yes and amen. And when it comes to our lives, there have got to be some dogmatic absolutes. Just This is just who I am. It's the way I'm going to live. Period. Whether it's easy, whether it's difficult, whether it's hot or cold, whether it's a, the economy's up or been in the dumps, uh, it doesn't matter. This is who I am in Christ. It's how I'm going to live. That kind of approach works. It produces results. Guaranteed results. You'll operate in the blessing of God on a much higher level when you live that way. Okay, it's kind of like what we've talked about already. But remember, we we talked about Israel marching around Jericho and going back to the word. It's why I want to work on your heart, not your wallet. I want to I want to work on on the inside so we get settled and then we live out of that willingly, cheerfully, confidently in faith, not under compulsion of some pressure from the outside. Walk around, look at the word, look at the word, look at the word, look at the problem for a second, go back to the word, back to the word, back to the word until our hearts are full and we can live this way intentionally and at all times. Okay, it's like the physical contact of my hands will not heal you, nor will a, uh, an offering get you out of debt. But I tell you what, faith in the power of God that flows through the laying on of hands will cause a person to be made well. Oh, yeah. And just, and just, the, just likewise at the same time, um, putting our trust in God, having faith for our finances, will cause His blessings to show up in our lives. Not just an act, not just a compliance at, at a moment in time for some type of, uh, of good deed. All right. Why should we give? Let me give you six reasons. Six reasons, and you can probably add to this. But we should give, number one, to honor God. We give to honor Him. And like I said earlier, if he's not honored in our finances, he's not honored in our lives. If that bugs you, that's a revelation. If you say yes and amen, you probably are honoring him in that way. Here's another one reason we give because we trust him to provide. And that giving is the outworking. It is the manifestation. Say, well, I trust God to provide even if I don't give. See, the thing is, that's dead faith, though. That's non-working faith. Faith that is alive always has an action to it. It may not be immediate, but if the faith is there, it will eventually be expressed. It will be acted upon. That's living faith. I don't want to say, well, I believe you just can't see it. It just can't, it just doesn't show up anywhere in my life. No, see, remember Jesus even taught us things like, uh, if you'll pray, get by yourself. Stop making a show in your prayers. He told the hypocrites in there in his day, stop making a show and impressing people with your prayer. Get alone, get quiet, spend time with God. He'll reward you openly. And you know, ultimately, you can tell who prays. You can tell who has a relationship with God, not because they told you, not because you saw them do it, but because you see the reward on their life. So many things from God work that way. Hallelujah. Here's another one, number three, because we give because the gospel must be spread. The gospel must be spread. The gospel's free, but the pipe isn't. 
And it costs money to put, to, to do, uh, to build churches and send missionaries out and to, and to do events and ministries and outreaches and all these things. It, it takes, takes resources. Number four, we give because eternal things matter most. Because eternal things matter most. Jesus taught us there in the scripture that, uh, that we looked at earlier on in this series that we should use our resources for an eternal purpose. Number five, we, cut, we give because we want to be like our Father. And God so loved the world that He gave. Come on. He, Jesus said the Father sends the rain on the just and the unjust. See, He blesses everybody. He's a blessing on everyone's life. Amen. He is a giver. Number six, we give because the laws of the kingdom work. We give because, pardon my expression, because we're not idiots. We give because we're not idiots. In other words, we recognize there are laws that govern how life works. Laws of the kingdom called sowing and reaping. Believing, receiving. These things, these principles of the kingdom are at work. And we know it, so we enter in. How many know that greed and selfishness should never be our motive in giving? We're not just giving because we want stuff. We're just giving because I want, I want some more stuff, and so I know I have to give. No. See, that's an immature heart. How many know every one of us came out of the womb that way? Right? Didn't we come out and we said, Mom and Dad, it's great to see you. You're looking good. Mom, you okay? I know that was rough, and I've been kicking you for a while. How you doing? No, I mean, no baby came out saying, <laughs> hold me, feed me. It's cold out here. Uh, you know, but, and even uh, children, they, they grow up that way. I mean, I mean, when children are young, when babies are first born, how many know they are not concerned about mom's sleep schedule? When they wake up in the middle of the night and they got the diaper going on and, and, uh, or need some, need some milk and, uh, they are not thinking, mom had a long day. And, uh, and uh, now all they're thinking is hung, hungry, <laughs> mama, boo boo. <laughs> they are thinking about themselves. And even as they grow up, how many, how many understand the, the toddler, what their favorite word is? Mine. <laughs> That's right. They know that before any other word, almost before, you know, mom and dad is mine. And, 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 and it, well, that's the selfishness of the flesh that, how many know that doesn't go away because you get bigger? It just becomes deeper in some cases. <laughs> mine. Uh, it becomes more, uh, if, uh, you know, there's contracts involved and, <laughs> and everything else. But people still, unless they do something to override that, they live selfishly. Unless we do something to override that, that, that fleshly nature, we live selfishly. We think about ourselves. All of our resources, our time and energy is all about us. And that is opposite of the character and nature of God. It is exactly opposite of Jesus on the cross dying for our sins. And unless we do something about it, we are going to, uh, we are going to live selfish lives. Me first, not kingdom first, not gospel first, not others first, not, not the Lord. Me, my needs. And we've got to kick that selfishness in the rear and get it out. If we want to experience God's best, His blessing will flow into the selfless life. 
His blessing will come and remain in the life that puts Him first and others first above themselves. Amen? Amen. Stand up with me today on your feet. Praise God. I trust this has been helpful. I want to uh, I get into the presence of God right here, right now. We're going we're gonna to sing a couple songs and, and, and connect with the Lord right now. We're going to worship Him. We're going we're gonna to talk to Him. I'm going to come back in a few minutes and, fi- and finish up with some very important things. But I encourage you right now, make a connection with Him. It's all about that.